Today's scripture reading comes from John 15, verses 7 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So have you ever prayed for something and it wasn't answered? You know, if you, you, know, you spend any amount of time in prayer, chances are you've asked God for something, whatever that might be. But then sometimes you pray for something and it doesn't end up working out the way that you had asked or it doesn't work out at all. In verse 7 of our passage today, Jesus is talking to his disciples and says these words. Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But that's not the way that prayer usually works, is it? I remember in my life countless times that I have lifted up my voice in earnest prayer, desperately seeking an answer to one of my deepest longings. Whenever I was younger, I don't know, preteen, I suppose, I do recall every single night for I don't know how long, not quite a year, but at least six months, every single night before I fell asleep, I prayed so desperately and earnestly that God would give me superpowers. Yes, that God would grant me some miraculous ability that I would be able to go out and save the world in some fashion that aligned with the uh, TV shows I was watching at the time or, you know, something along that line. I would so desperately pray every single night for six months, God grant me superpowers, anything so I can be helpful and useful and save people. I stand before you today an extremely average human being. Uh, it just didn't work out for me. I never got those superpowers like I had asked. Um, at least they haven't manifest yet. I'll let you know in time. I remember another time in college, um, my now wife, Kristen, her car radio was on the fritz, it wasn't working too well, and so I had some knowledge about uh, cars and I changed out a couple of car radios in my day. And so I said, hey, I'll take a look at it and, and see if I can fix it for you. And so, you know, I looked at it, we ended up buying a new radio to put in her car, and, um, and I, I remember it was pouring down rain, like freezing rain outside. And so I'm sitting in her car. I don't know what she was doing, probably off uh, hanging out with friends or flirting with some guy that wasn't me because I was still in the pursuit phase of this of our relationship. 
And, uh, and I remember sitting in the pouring rain in her car, and I finally had plugged in this new radio and gotten it into place and turned on the car, and the radio didn't work. And so for the next three hours, I spent basically taking apart to the inside of her car and the entire time praying, God, please let this work. Just let this one thing that I do work so that Kristen might take notice of me and she might like me and consider her her hero. Uh, please just let this work. Believe it or not, nothing ended up happening. Um, I had to give up around midnight that night um, because I tried everything I knew to try. Uh, turned out to be a fuse that I didn't think to check because, yep, I was in some emotional state. But in all of these, both of these prayers, other times in my life as well, I recall crying out to God in what I felt like was genuine desperation. And it was never answered. Now, looking back, my prayers do seem a, a, admittedly a bit silly to think back on, but there were still times in my life when I was praying pretty desperately. But I also think about all of the prayers across the globe that do not get answered. Like the person praying for their sick family during this virus, or like the person praying for their job during economic uncertainty, or the person praying for food because they don't know where their next meal is going from. These prayers, they don't seem silly to me. So why do some of these answers, so why do some of these prayers get answered while other prayers don't? I, I have to say, you know, something you might already be thinking. Many times in my life I have heard that when it comes to our prayers, no is an answer to. In other words, God can say no to a prayer. That even though we might cry out for something, God may still say, no, you're not getting that. And every time I hear that, every time I hear that the word no might be an answer to prayer too, then, then I have to wonder, what exactly is the point of prayer? Because if sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no, then why should we pray at all? It seems to me like prayer is a little too much like the lottery, except winning the lottery can fix most of people's problems. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and you never really know which answer you're going to get. Pray to God. That's a little heartbreaking way to think about prayer if sometimes the answer can be no. And then I also think back on our passage today when Jesus, talking to the disciples, says, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And I think, Jesus, I've, I've asked before. People have asked before and it wasn't done for them. And sure, maybe you gave the answer no to this prayer, but then you answered this other prayer that seemed really small compared to the one you said no to. Now, I have to admit, in all honesty, I don't know why some prayers get yeses and why some prayers get noes. But what I do know is that, at least in my experience, in the experience of a couple thousand years of human history, is that God is not a genie in a bottle waiting around to grant us our heart's desires. It's not like I don't know if you've seen the movie Aladdin, but you get a, you get a set number of these and you better use them wisely. And if you, uh, if you 
you can't break one of the rules, like you can't raise people from the dead, which God did. You can't make people fall in love with you, which God doesn't. Uh, and, you know, so long as you stay within those rules, you got a set number of wishes, then you're good. God doesn't work that way. God never has worked that way. If that were the case, then I think that the consequences would be absolutely devastating if everybody just got whatever they asked for in prayer. Maybe you've seen the movie Bruce Almighty. It's a, it's a kind of a crude movie that came, came out in like the early, mid-2000s. Um, in the movie, Jim Carrey plays this guy named Bruce who encounters um, God, who is played by Morgan Friedman, fantastic uh, voice for God. And um, God ends up giving Bruce, all of God's powers so that Bruce can see what it's like to be God for a little bit of time. And in doing so, um, Bruce, with God's powers, starts hearing people's prayers and um, ends up compiling them into an email format. And then he selects all of the emails of all the seven billion people on the face of the planet and clicks reply yes to all. And so all of the people who are praying at the time end up receiving yeses to their prayers. And next thing you know, some uh, 100 million people have won the lottery. Uh, there are all kinds of devastating consequences that come out of if every single person on the face of the planet got their yes. And so whenever everybody ends up getting their yes, the whole world kind of gets thrown into chaos, similar to this movie. It, it, just receiving yes to everybody's prayers doesn't work. Just receiving yes to one person's prayers is dangerous enough. Why? Because most of the time, I do say most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time our prayers are fairly selfish. And, and that's not necessarily to say that they are wrong or bad. Prayers can be selfish. That's not wrong or bad. But... Most of our prayers might not consider the consequences that others would have to face if we got our way all the time. That's just kind of the way the world works in a consumer society anyways. If we get what we want, there's going to be someone, someone, someone somewhere on the face of the planet that's going to have to suffer less than $2 a day wage so that we can get our discounted shirts from the store. So why then does Jesus say, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you? Because it very clearly does say that in every translation of the Bible. You can find in John chapter 15, verse 7, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Well, I think that in order to, to address this last part, part of the verse here, we can't neglect the first part. If you have your Bible with you, you may notice that that part we've been talking about up to this point is kind of part B of the verse. The line, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done to you, done for you, turns out to be part of an if statement, meaning that if you want something to happen, then you have to do something else. It's an if statement. Jesus, the whole statement says uh, from Jesus, if you 
abide in me, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So that's an odd word. That's a word that we, we might be familiar with, but it's kind of a strange word to put in, con put in this context. What does the word abide mean? Or rather, what does it mean to abide in Christ? Just for fun, I decided to turn to uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary because that's what all the smart people do uh, to define what the word abide means. And it turns out it can be interpreted in a number of different ways. Uh, it can be, uh, to abide might mean to bear patiently, to endure without yielding, to remain or continue in place. Okay. The same definition, though, can also be found by translating the Greek word many, M-E-I-N-E, transliterated Greek word there, uh, which ends up, uh, we, we end up translating it as abide in our text. Um, we get the same definitions, uh, to bear patiently, to endure without yielding, to remain or continue in place. So, when Jesus is asking us to abide in him and to let his words abide in us, it means that we are being called to be conformed to his will, to be transformed by his love, and that what it means to be us, everything that makes me who I am and you who you are and us who we are, what it means to be us will be intrinsically intertwined. Sorry for using those two big words back to back there, but that they will be interconnected and interwoven in a way that is inseparable with what it means for Jesus to be Jesus. So to unpack that a little bit, to abide in Christ implies an intimate, enduring connection. An intimate, enduring connection that we are conformed to Jesus' will, by extension, God's will. And to be conformed means that everything that we want is replaced by everything that God wants. That we will be transformed by his love. In other words, the same way that Jesus loves, we will also learn to love. And that what it means to be us will be intrinsically intertwined with what it means for Jesus to be Jesus. That is to say that it's basically, you know, kind of like the WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? That's who we become. To be Christian means to be Christ-like, to be little Christs. We are called to abide in Christ. So as we look through the rest of the passage and see how Jesus uses the word abide, we might begin to notice that that word, to abide, has so much weight to it that it is actually, I would even use the word, the destiny of Christians. It is what we are supposed to become. We are supposed to be people who abide in Christ. Listen to this passage once more in full. If you abide in me, my, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay, we've covered that part. 
Verse 8, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. So, in other words, everything that it means to be a Christian is wrapped up in glorifying God as we abide in Christ. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, Jesus says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Oh, did you hear that? So, in other words, you know, whenever Jesus says do something, we do it, and we're kind of like connected in that way. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That word joy there, three-letter word, is so powerful. There's so much weight to that word joy. It is a word that is beyond happiness. It is a word that is beyond a fleeting experience. It is a word that is so impactful in its usage that it is calling us to a whole new way of existence. To abide in Christ means that we have this intimate, enduring connection that links us with everything that it means to be Jesus. So, I have to wonder then, if A equals B and B equals C, then A must equal C. Let's take that, you know, little math equation for a moment. That whenever Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This if-then statement we have here, I have to wonder, how might our prayers look different if we abide in Christ? Think, think about that for just a moment. How might our prayers look different? different if we were to abide in Christ. And, you know, you might be sitting there thinking the same thing that I was thinking uh, earlier while I was preparing this message. Mike, I feel like I'm doing all right as a Christian. I feel like I abide in Jesus pretty well, but yet still my prayers are not being answered. I think that that right there might be a first sign that we may not be abiding in Christ quite in the way Christ is hoping for us to. When we abide in Christ in this intimate way, our prayers are inherently changed. They have to be changed. We can no longer pray for the exact same things we once used to pray for whenever we weren't intimately linked with Christ. We begin to desire what God desires. We begin to see through God's eyes. We begin to love the way that God loves when we abide in Christ. Consider that for a moment. Jesus is using this uh, mathematical equation of A equals B, B equals C, therefore A equals C. Jesus says, I have abided in, in the Father and in the Father's love. Now I'm asking you to abide in me and in my love so that you may be linked to the Father and the Father's love. That's this connection that Jesus is trying to draw for us here. And by doing so, we desire what God desires. By doing so, we begin to see through the eyes of God. By doing so, we begin to love the way that God loves. It cannot be any other way. If it is, then we're not really, we're not really abiding 
Christ. It changes us to, to the point that our prayers become united with God's will. That we begin to ask for the same thing that God might ask for. In other words, we no longer desire what we think is best for us. Because that's what we do. We think we know what's best for us, and so we ask for these things. And, you know, sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. But in this case, we no longer desire what we think is best for us. Instead, we begin to long to desperately desire for what brings glory to God for what brings hope to humanity, and for what makes a difference in our world. Abide in Christ. So that we might be conformed to the will of God. So that we might be transformed by the love of God. And so that everything that makes us who we are begins to look a lot more like everything that makes Christ who he is. We are called to abide. And in doing so, the things that we ask for, the things that we desire, begin to look a lot different. It's just what ends up happening. And so I would love now to be able to go on an hour-long tangent about what it means to abide. But we kind of already know this. We kind of already know what it means to abide in God. It means to spend more time, to spend more time with Christ. Whether it be in scripture, whether it be in prayer, whether it be in community, whether it be in quiet time, whether it be in service and doing for others, we begin to abide in God by seeking God where God can be found. So, my challenge for us all today that I hope that we will all take on is to come before God and to ask what it might look like for us, for, for me specifically, for you specifically, to ask what it might look like for us to abide in Christ so that we might be transformed in heart and mind. So can we do that this week? Just simply ask, God, show me what it looks like to abide in Christ. And I guarantee you, this will be one of the prayers that gets answered. That if, you, if, that if we earnestly seek to abide in Christ, it will be revealed to us that, you know, spending money on things that we don't need isn't the best way to abide in Christ. Giving money to those who need it more might be. Spending time watching Netflix on repeat might not be the best way to abide in Christ. Spending time in the Word of God might be. Spending time not really doing much of anything might not be. But spending time sitting in the presence of God might be. So let us do that this week. Let us learn to abide in Christ, that we might be transformed, and let us pray together.